Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy. Hey Jay, how's it going? It's going all right. I wonder why do I say your name like that when I... Jeff Clossy. I don't know. I like it though. It's kind of got some energy to it. It's better than other things I've called you. (laughs) For sure. That's an old joke, but I started to say other things that I'm like, wait, no, I don't want to do that. No, Jeff would be Way to catch yourself. Thank you. That was Filter J Uh taking the charge. All right. Now, uh, big week this week. Yeah. It's Um, awesome. Yeah. I think we're all thinking the same thing. Baseball opening day. Oh, no, I wasn't. Oh, no. No, you weren't. You weren't thinking that? No. Oh, Holy Week. Yes. (laughs) That too. What what day is today opening day? No, no. It was actually last last week, last Thursday. This is the first full week, um, so already the Cubs are out of it. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Can I just say this about the Cubs? Because this is why our listeners turn, tune in, is uh-huh. to hear my thoughts on the Cubs. So my children keep telling me, oh, the Cubs will be fine. They're going to be pretty good this year. And I'm like, what? What is the deal with your optimism? Why do you think that? I'm confident the Cubs are going to be terrible this year. And I realized it's recency bias for them they they only know really know the cubs having won right like they as long as they've really been in their formative years the cubs have been successful they don't know what it's like to be a cubs fan mm. over the long haul and so all cubs fans right now are just like up oh, here we go yep another 40 years of futility that was fun while it lasted. Whereas the young Cubs fans are like, "Yeah, it's fine. They'll, uh, this will be another year. They'll be they'll be right back on top." No, no kids, they won't be. That is interesting because I always think of the Bulls. So a different sport. The Bulls is really good because right. I grew up with and yet Michael they were Jordan only and really Pippen. good during that era. Yeah, yeah. They've not been good since, and they weren't. They were terrible before. Yeah, this is the last week of the regular season for that sport, and we have a big, we have a team who's like really good right now. In Wisconsin. Yes, <laughs> See, that, I don't assume that either. Right. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's... I wonder if that thunder just came through in the recording. I don't know. I don't know. If, if you heard a rumble, that was not it. either one of our stomachs. We're no, fine. No. Uh, but it is thundering outside at the moment. That means spring is here. Yeah, it's coming. There's like, it's rumbling thunder out there. It's the afternoon, which is not a normal time for us to record the podcast, which who knows how that's going to go. Yeah. We've, so sorry ahead of time. We've both had full, full days mm-hmm. and tired i'm drinking coffee you're not no how's that going the coffee yeah oh it's i mean cold yeah well commitment it's it's needed all right so this is my treasure is this coffee so it is holy week yes and um and so we're kind of pausing sermon on the mount series to uh this week observing good friday and then easter sunday obviously um so I, I'm curious. This is, this wasn't scripted. Of course, none of this was scripted. So you know, who cares. But um, what what was your experience growing up? Did you celebrate Holy Week? Do you remember doing that? Uh, the churches that I was part of as a kid, it was mostly Easter. Yeah. Like I don't remember. We didn't do like ever have a Monday, Thursday, anything. And then um, it's possible that we had Good Friday services. They didn't leave a huge. I don't have like a lot of memory of that. I do mm-hmm. remember Easter Sunday being when people got a little dressier, <laughs> like in the churches we were in, it was pretty informal and people yeah. dressed up more, but yeah, I don't have a lot of memories of that. I do now. I love, I love this week. I love to really be in it. Did you growing up? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. We were like, yeah. Mainline denomination. We, 
Palm Sunday was a big deal. I remember Palm Sunday being one of my favorites because in Sunday school we would all get palms, mm-hmm. like palm branches, and then we would um, we would march down, you know, the aisle of the worship, like waving our palm branches and shouting whatever. They told us what to shout, but we just shouted whatever and, you know, waving them and, oh, it's so cute. And, um, yeah, and then we had uh, certainly Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I don't I don't remember – I don't remember too much on Maundy Thursday. I have done something on that, but um, – I think it was in one of our Canadian churches that we were part of that that was a more – that was a bigger deal that day. I do – you know, some – I don't know if the church you were at did this, but – Churches that celebrate that that do uh, observance of Ash Wednesday, yeah, take those palms, that. right? Yep. They they take the palms from Palm Sunday, yep. and use them the next year for the ashes. Yep, that's what we did. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it's interesting that yeah, if you grew up in a mainline denominational church or or Catholic, then you would have Holy Week was a was a big deal. If you grew up in an evangelical church, you probably didn't even know it was Holy Week until you got to Easter mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, it's Easter. Oh yeah. So eh. we, we tried to, we tried to, it's a little bit of a mix. So we didn't, uh, we didn't hijack last weekend for Palm Sunday. Um, we, we, we mentioned it, mm-hmm. but, uh, and then, uh, but we'll still have good Friday service and then Easter service. I'm looking forward to that. I, I love our, the good Friday one, especially. Yeah. I just find that very helpful to slow down in it and, and really be present for that. Like what I mean is physically, but also with God. Right. Um, in that moment. Yeah. So speaking of Easter, you know what we found in our house this week? An egg <laughs> from last, last Easter that we had hit. like a rabbit. No. Which you did find that too. Yeah, we do have a rabbit, but yeah. we, uh, we're, we're working on a cleaning out a closet and I had, I think it was me who hit it too. Cause Graham immediately looked at me and said, who hid this? I was like, I don't know, probably me. I totally forgot. And I said, I don't know if you want to eat that candy, buddy. It's been in there for a year. Yeah. Yeah, this is where our strategy, we don't hide eggs. We just hide, hide baked goods all around. And so then you mm. find them later. Just kidding. Our that Labradors would, awesome. would have found it if yeah. it wasn't in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty great. So, all right. Well, this is uh, this is really compelling podcast fodder so far. All going according feel, to script. I know. I feel like we should just wrap it up. Um <laughs> So last weekend, um, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, and got I got to talk about treasures in heaven, and this these three phrases that um, where Jesus exhorts them to not store up treasures on earth, where moths and rust um, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but to store up treasures in heaven. Um, or neither moths nor moths nor I'm going off the top of my head here. I don't have it in front of me, but um, probably should. You're doing a good job. I have you might so far. They're neither yeah. moth nor rust destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Yes. Um, and and then uh, for for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he does the eye is the lamp of the body, and then he talks about you cannot serve two masters. So those three sections we kind of took together in in one chunk. Um, and yeah, I don't know, Jeff. So, I I mean, one thought, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, go ahead. Well, one, one of the things that really struck me, um, you, you gave a, I don't know, it was that an analogy. I think it was an, I don't know if that's the technical word, but, um, you, you gave the example about storing up treasure and, and basically trying to get us to think about 
what we value and do we believe that there's actually this promised you know reward and treasure and uh you the example was what if you were promised that for every like dollar that you saved for retirement for example um, your employer would multiply that by 10 and there was no limit to it. How much would you save? And you, you basically, you said, well, you'd probably give as much as you possibly could to it and less. And that, that to me was the really helpful part to ask, why wouldn't I do that? And what would prevent me from doing that? And ultimately that in your example, it was, well, you just wouldn't fully trust that, that they were going to come through, mm-hmm. you know, or that that would actually amount to something good in the end. I thought that was really helpful because this is something that Jesus clearly assumed his disciples would go all in on and not halfway, right. which is why he gives that example. You can't serve God in money. So I, I don't know if there's anything else in that. I just wanted to highlight that as something I really took away from it was that idea. And, and was there more for you as you were thinking of it? That I mean, I thought about, I mean, there, I think there's another reason why we wouldn't, that I didn't really go into is that you, um, I, I did in other ways, but that, the other reason I think is that you, if you so value the right now, so we all know it's wise to save for later. And then there are certain things, you know, we would all acknowledge, Hey, there are certain things that you need money for right now. So even in a situation where they're matching it, but 10 to one, you're still not going to starve to death in the, in the moment right now. Like you're still going to make sure you have food, clothing and shelter. You might even still like take a vacation or do, you know, go out for coffee or something like that. It's not that you wouldn't do any of those things, but you'd be really be counting the cost of that. You'd, you'd be thinking, oh, if, if you're being wise, you would you would invest as much as you could in that um, unless you don't trust that it's going to be there or if you overvalue the things right now. So a lot of us do that. I mean, we do that with all kinds of saving where we overvalue, um, you know, today and think like, Oh no, I'd rather have this. It's just why we have credit card debt and all kinds of stuff. So there's, I think there's a couple of reasons why people, um, why we, we tend to not value, um, that treasure in the future. Now I think, so I think Jesus is touching on both of those. He's like, look that he's, he's both devaluing what is here on earth. He's, and it's not even, it's, it's not even so much a devaluing. So for example, when he says, where moths can destroy. Well, I mean, that's, that's pointing out, you know, like if you have a fine garment and those fine, the the fine linens and garments that people would wear, that wealthy people would wear, they were susceptible to moths destroying them. And so his point isn't that fine garments are, aren't fine, that they're not beautiful, that there aren't, that they aren't desirable. That's not his point. Um, His point is that they don't last. And so I think it is important, and, and and probably if there's anything, I wish I would have had time to unpack a little more, and I, I think I touched on it a little bit, but it's not so much a devaluing and saying, well, nothing in this world that we enjoy are has any enjoyable, like has any ability to be enjoyed or shouldn't be enjoyed. Because the things that we have here on earth that we would often consider as treasures on earth are gifts. They're meant to be gifts. So when you enjoy a good meal, that's a gift. But we would also say that that gift doesn't last. Like that gift is going to, you, you don't enjoy it. You don't remember it. You might remember that meal, but certainly the enjoyment that you get from a great meal, it it dissipates over time. And so, the, so you don't look back and say, um, like I remember going out 
with Lauren, our first anniversary, we had friends who gave us money that so that we, we didn't have anything. And um and we had friends that gave us money to go to go out to eat at a really nice restaurant. And not something that she and I ever would have done. But it's one of those things where they say, No, I this is what I want you to do with this. And so you say, Okay. Now, could we have used that money? Could we put it in a savings account? Could we put it in a Roth IRA? Yes, but it was a gift, an intentional gift given to us, and we really enjoyed it. And when I look back on it, I don't think, oh, man, if we had that money back, we could have put that in. Imagine how much that would have grown into. So the point being, that doesn't. Jesus isn't saying don't enjoy anything here on earth. Don't enjoy any gift that's from the Father. The point, though, is it should be received as a gift from the Father. If they are things that we are chasing after or pursuing for our fulfillment, that's when they become perverted and they no longer can deliver what they were intended to deliver. And if you have that perspective of saying, I, I don't, I don't want to pursue those things. I don't need those things. Um, if it's a gift, great. I'll enjoy that. But I, I don't, my hope is not on those things. My hope is in a treasure that, that is, um, that is in the future, but it's also here, but it's it's in Christ. Whatever that treasure is, it's the kingdom of God and not these temporary things in the world. So I think that's the that's a big thing of when people get into like, oh, does that mean I shouldn't? So every time I go out to coffee and I don't give that money to the church or I don't support a missionary with it, like am I am I pursuing the treasures of the world? And I would say it's all that's all a heart issue, right? Like the question is, what treasure are you pursuing? Like if you're, if you're saying I am not going to give to that missionary because I need my coffee, well, that might be, that's maybe the heart issue that Jesus is talking about. But if you go have coffee with a friend and are also generous in other ways, like then that's not, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, Well, I agree. And I like that you started the, the, the sermon. I, I think it was right at the beginning and highlighting for us again that Jesus in this section and throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, it's talking about the kingdom and our hearts, our desires. And so he's not laying down law here. Uh, It's interesting to think about what it would take to put this all into a law that we could try to follow. We wouldn't do it very well, right? We'd be looking for um, shortcuts and exactitudes on things, but it's about our heart and what we really want. And to me, that's a really hopeful thing to think that what God has in store for us as we follow Jesus are hearts that are shaped to be like his heart that will love and desire what is truly good for us, for him. We, we want to learn how to love what God loves, and then that's going to be really good and best for everyone around us as well. And it's interesting to me the way we could assume this is primarily future, but we know it's not just future. That was a really deep bang there. Of thunder, yeah. Are you getting nervous, Jeff? No, I'm just impressed. <laughs> just, just cowering under the desk right now. Yeah. Tell me it's over. Can does it sound like I am cowering? <laughs> you just pause like that. You just pause. Startled like that. me. So, so let me ask you this question: How do you navigate? Because I think how Jesus is connecting these to really oversimplify it. Um, he's saying. Like, don't pursue the things of this world. They're temporary. Pursue the greater things of the kingdom because that lasts forever. But then when he talks about the eyes, the lamp of the body, he's saying, like, look, if you see that, if you see that these kingdom treasures are more valuable, then everything in you is going to be flooded with light, which 
what we can talk about here in a minute. And then, and then he goes on to say, and there's no halfway about this. Like this is, you, you really are picking a kingdom and choosing who you worship. So I see these as really, as really connected about that. He's, he's laying out the reality of it. This is more valuable saying, if you see it, then everything is going to be flooded with light. And then, and then there's no halfway. It's the, these are, these are two kingdoms. So let's say you're in a situation where you say, okay, I, I do want to, and we also, cause we also acknowledged that we don't always see it, that we need help seeing it all the time. So, but if you're talking to somebody who says, I, I want, I want to invest in the kingdom. Like I, I believe that it's a, you know, 10 to one return or whatever, a hundred to one return. And I want to put as much in there as possible. What do you say to them if they struggle as, as I have and as I've had other friends who have, who then say, well, then I, I feel like it's wrong to spend any money. Like I, so then it's better to, to be poor and I just need to give away everything so that I just have like a little bit to eat and a little bit like any excess at all is, is wrong because I should be investing that in, in kingdom things and eternal things. Yeah. And I, I would just say, I mean, it's going to be really important to walk through carefully what we consider kingdom and eternal. Hmm. So if, if the category in our head for that is, um, is only the activities that we would typically think as religious activities that you would see the thing and, and label it religious. I think our view is a bit too narrow about what belongs in the kingdom. Does that make sense? So I think I would yeah. say, let's zoom out a little bit. I wouldn't at all say, well, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, I would really want to work through it because God may be leading a person to some radical life change. Yeah. The way they, they do, they deal with their money. But if we consider the kingdom only things that have to do with what we would typically do in this church building, then I think we're we're missing what Jesus is saying because he doesn't he doesn't seem to have categories for two different parts of your life. Like here's the spiritual part of my life and the non spiritual. Here's the religious and non religious. Like all of life belongs to God. So I don't know. That's my initial thought. What do you think? I, I mean, I love that. That's a, you just kind of gave an aha moment of that. Let's say let's say you have an opportunity to take your family on a vacation. Um, you could say, "Well, I shouldn't do that. I should invest in eternal things." Or you could also see that vacation as like that could be a gift from God that He's giving you, and you are investing in eternal things as you love and, and minister to your family and give them a, you know a bonding experience. I think there's. There's something to that. The, the trick, obviously, is that, man, we are so good. We're so good at using whatever we want to justify ourselves. So there's always ditches that we can fall into. That's why it isn't a law. Because if you have the person who says, well, no, you shouldn't go on that vacation because that money should be giving, given over here, well, they then would justify the fact that they don't maybe don't spend time with their family or the, you know burning their family out in the name of this law. And the other ditch would be when people say, right, like that's why, you know, I bought our seventh boat because, you know, because God wants us to enjoy these good gifts. So listen, like whatever law you set up for yourself, you're going to be able to use it to justify yourself or to shame. It's going to bring shame or self-justification 
neither of which is the gospel, neither of which is the mercy and, and the joy of abundant life in the kingdom. So, so I love that where you're saying, okay, like, yeah, let's re let's first reorient our idea of what is, what does it look like? Um, what is kingdom? What is eternal? Um, there might be some, you know, some principles that you might like just use to help guide you in that. You know, I think, I think asking questions about, well, what am I desiring in this? What do I want this to fulfill in me? And so if you have a vacation, you know, I, I think, you know, simplification, simplifying is always a good idea. You know, like anytime, anytime I can knock things down a, a peg or two in my own mind, cause I tend to be a dreamer. So I might think like, I want to take the whole family on a trip to Europe. Like, okay, well maybe. Or like, Wally world. Yeah. Or maybe, <laughs> you know, think of that. But like, I just reminded, I don't know if this happened for you, but like, I remember in uh, the, uh, the COVID year and we had had a family vacation for that summer 2020 planned, you know, we like to take big road trips. And so we had a big road trip planned and we ultimately just felt like, yeah, it's not really responsible right now. I think we need to stay closer to home. And so we just did a tour of the UP. We figured like, well, how, what could we do? We go, well, let's go where there's no other people. Like you can, you can stay a long ways away from people in the upper peninsula. And our kids had a blast. Like we had a great time together. We didn't see any of the things that we originally thought we were going to see. We stopped in random small towns and got breakfast burritos to go and, you know, all kinds of things that you had to do then. But it was really great. And so I do think there's a way, there are kingdom principles of, um, I think Christ followers are called to live simply, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that's not a specific way because there's always going to be someone who like, there's always someone who is probably holier than you who lives on, has spends more money. And there's probably someone less holy than you who spends less money. I mean, like there's, there's, it, it's not about like a specific number or thing to say like, well, don't do this. Don't don't ever go out to eat or don't go out to eat more than one time a week. That's what the Pharisees would do. The question is, are you are you trying to invest as much as you can in eternal things, which like you said, which I think you were so wisely pointed out, does not just mean church things. Yes. And you know, the the two other things that come to my mind are um whatever the reason is that you are pursuing, you know, this path like you're describing, like I want to simplify, it needs to be because of the work of the spirit in your heart and not because you're comparing yourself to other people like in either direction. So like, I think we can fall when we take this seriously, these teachings, we can start to compare really quickly and every situation is different. And, and so like we, we compare and either think I'm, I'm doing better than this person or I'm doing worse and kind of either position ends up being about our kingdom and our, like it focuses on us. And Jesus is calling us outside of ourselves to something bigger and better. So that's one thing. If, if you find your heart doing that, um, now it's one thing to find inspiration in what someone else is doing. That's different than like, I'm feeling so horrible because I don't live up to what they do. Or, But the other thing that then we fall into is then we try to prescribe whatever God has done in us for other people. Mm-hmm. So say, like you said, like, well, we decided we're not going to take a European vacation. Well, now no one can take a European vacation. Do you know? And yeah, it's so yeah. easy to do that. And I think especially around money, there there are very few people, I don't know about you, Jay, that, that ever come in and want to talk about the problem with greed. That is not typically on our radar. And it's just, it's 
it like it subverts our normal um, defenses that we put up against sin and against being led away from from God, which is why I think, like you you pointed out on Sunday, Jesus brings us out over and over again because it's so tied with what we desire, money and things. Um, and yeah, there's so, a couple of principles, I guess. Well, it's so easy, right? To we so easily fall into the trap of comparing ourselves. Yes, and and that yeah, it always leads. And I like you drawing the difference between it's okay to be inspired by. Yep. Like you've done things as a family. You guys have done things as a family that's made me think, ah, oh, I'd like to do that. I mean, we, um, you know, your family is a big reason why we ride bikes together because mm-hmm. like we see that and like, oh, that is, that's fun. So inspiration can be really good. Um, but that comparison thing, you're right. You end up justifying yourself and say, well, at least I didn't do that. Even though what you may have been doing may not have been like, you may have been sinful in your pursuit of that. Um, and then, you know, we can judge other people for how they spend their money. I remember, um, I remember years ago living in Southern California in a very wealthy area and we did not make very much money at all. And, but we are surrounded by a lot of money. And I remember driving around with a friend who was also from the Midwest. And I I was young and I just kind of looked at these West Coast people as like, man, they just they just burn money, you know? And so and and one of the ways was lots of really nice cars. And I I remember a, a car driving past us that, you know, was a very expensive car and I said, I said, "Man, can you imagine spending that much money, you know, on a car?" And I thought that I would get agreement. Like so here I am judging this person as they drive by me. And I thought that my friend was going to jump in with me and he just looked at me and he said, um, he said, you don't know, but my guess is that that person spends far less, like a far smaller percentage of his income on that car than you do on yours. And it was just the right amount of like rebuke. It was, it was actually a really gentle rebuke. It wasn't like a, you know, I'm going to get you with this. Um, but it was a, an interesting reminder that, you know, when we realize that most of the world lives on less than a dollar a day and how compared to the rest of the world, we are, we are very wealthy, but we also know that it takes a lot more money to live here. So relatively like it's, it gets very challenging. So whenever people make give that stat of like, well, most of the world lives on less than a dollar a day. Well, I've been in those areas. I think you've been in those areas. It doesn't take more than a dollar a day for a lot of people. Now, there are the people that don't, like they don't have clean drinking water and like worldwide poverty is a major issue. So don't hear me wrong. But what I am saying is you can be poor here in the United States making $20,000 a year, which would make you incredibly wealthy somewhere else. But because you live in a world where rent is is at minimum $1,000 a month and you have car insurance that is mandatory and you have, you know, like taxes and all like you have all these different things you're expected to have a cell phone or else you can't get an employment you're expected to have you know a vehicle um so the cost of living is higher so the point being that like you just it's it just doesn't work to compare that it really is a heart issue and i think one of the ways i don't know what you'd say like some principles but one of the ways that i would encourage people to think about um oh because by the way with the car that was one thing i probably should have clarified i thought man i should clarify that especially after just sharing that car story i mentioned what i drive around and afterwards i thought man i wonder if somebody who <laughs> drives a nicer car was going to feel judged by that mm. 
And oh, it when you talk about your Suburban? Yeah, and I talk yeah. about my Suburban. The whole point of the Suburban was it's rusty because things, like it was at one point a luxury SUV and now it's all rusty. And and so it's just an illustration of they don't last. And everybody knows that. It was not an illustration of you should drive an old rust old rust bucket. Yeah, you were describing something, not prescribing something there. Right. I was it was just an illustrative it was an illustration of like, well, yes, it it fades. Rust we have very real examples around us. Um you know, I didn't say that we have another family vehicle that is much more reliable than that because in the area we live, we need to have something reliable. And when my wife drives an hour or two away, I want to know that the vehicle's going to start and is not. So, like, we've had both. And, and so it's not, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't prescribing that you should only do this or only. But I do think that a good question to ask whenever you're pursuing anything like that, whether it's... um anything worldly, anything temporary is to ask, you know, a a question of, okay, what if the answer to this was no? And just see what your feeling is about it. So if I'm planning a vacation, it's good for me to pause and say, well, what if the answer is no? What if, what if we're not supposed to go take this vacation to wherever? And if what rises in me is, defensiveness, you know, so like, were we saying it's wrong to take this vacation or justification of, I deserve this because, you know, I've worked really hard. We, we need, or a need, a desperation, like we need to have this. If it's any of those things, then I would say, Hey, take a step back because that, that is indicative and no judgment on it. Like I, we have those things that's indicative of a heart that is pursuing worldly treasures. Um, or, you know, like a big purchase or anything like that. Like, well, no, uh, like anything, anything like that. But if what comes up when you say, what if the answer is no to this, if the predominant feeling is okay. And, and then you, you're thinking of something else. Like, so for a vacation, if I want to get away and rest with my family, say, well, what if, what if the answer is no to this? Okay. We don't have to go there. How else can I find rest with my family? Like how else can I get my family? What's most important about getting my family away um, so that they can bond together and we can have some time of rest together? That's a heart that is pursuing the kingdom. And if in that pursuit of those kingdom eternal things, whether that takes place in Florida or the upper peninsula of Michigan or in France, it's you want a heart that's pursuing the eternal in that. Yeah. And the eternal and the weighty and the the more real, I think that's how C.S. Lewis would kind of put it. It's yeah. like the picture is this is solid versus something that's just temporary is what's consuming your thoughts. And, you know, as I was listening to the sermon again today, Jay, I listened to your sermon twice this week. So as I was listening again today, Colossians 3 kept coming to my mind as I wonder if Paul was fleshing out this teaching when he wrote that. And Colossians 3 starts out, If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. So ultimately, Jesus is inviting us into here. He's describing a reality that we are now part of and that we get to live in. And unless our heart is attuned to that reality, we won't, we'll just miss it. We're not going to enjoy it and be part of it the way we're meant to be. 
I like in Colossians 3 how it says, if you have been raised with Christ. So it's like the reality is we've been transformed and, and made into a new creation. And so that's what this new creation does, is it, it seeks after that which is above. And, and that doesn't mean, I mean, it doesn't mean that um, earthly as in the sense of the things on earth aren't important. It, it's like saying higher or lower things. So we don't believe when a child goes from fourth to fifth grade that they're actually moving up literally. They're just getting to the next level. And I think that's what he's getting at there, that the things that are of more worth. Right. Seek those things. Yeah, and this and is a tangible way of doing that. And if you see those things as more as more worthy um or as having more worth then then it like it floods everything with light. So he talks about the eyes, the lamp of the body. Well, then you see where okay, if you see that for example in in a vacation, if you see that what matters is the resting in Christ and bonding, like say if it's with your family, that with your family and and ministering to your family. And if that's what you see, well then if the location changes or the level of accommodations change, that doesn't that doesn't deter at all. In fact it could even it could even enrich it. And um and if you're setting your mind on the things of Christ, well then and and eternal things, well that's why a uh, a cancer diagnosis can't it it can't knock you off of your pursuit. If your pursuit is kingdom things, um, then then nothing, no treasure that the world uh, withholds from you or takes back from you or um, that you feel like you're missing out on, nothing, none of that actually impacts, affects at all your true pursuit. And I think there's nothing else in the world that you can say that about. Every worldly treasure is is significantly impacted by external circumstances that are out of your control. Right? So if your if your pursuit is just money to have a big retirement account and have a big retirement home, then there are a lot of external factors that are out of your control that can negatively impact that. Right? Like if if your pursuit is your reputation here on earth, there's a lot of things that can negatively impact that. You can go on and on and on, but if your pursuit is, if what you treasure, what you value most, what you're chasing after is an eternal thing where moth and moths and rust can't destroy and thieves can't break in and steal, like Jesus is saying, that's the smarter investment, right? Like that's, you. there's nothing that can take, knock you off track. Everything that happens to you here on earth can, is all like put in service of that that the enemy may mean it for evil, but God intends it for good. And it all ends up, that's what's so miraculous about it. That's what I, like, I feel like I can never fully articulate how amazing that is, that Jesus is saying like this. It's not just that God's saying like, it's not just him saying, I go to prepare a place for you. If that wasn't true, I wouldn't have told you that. It is that, he is doing that. But it's also, I think, a comment on just the, um, I don't know, like the, the just the, the undefeated nature of God, like just that there's he is impossible to foil. Yep. Like his plans, he will complete. He's faithful to complete the work he started in you. Everything that happens, nothing can foil his plans. Nothing that the world can do to you or take from you. No experience you miss out on. No, like nothing the world has to offer. None of that 
can negatively impact your joy for all eternity. And that's just incredible when you think about it because there's nothing else in the world that would be like that. And it's only then in that moment, because of that truth, that then the world becomes a perfectly safe place for us to be. Ah, yeah. It Because then, um, then what it means that the Lord is our shepherd takes on a bigger, deeper thing for all of our life. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think the, one of the things I'm noticing as we're really been slowing down in the Sermon on the Mount is just how important that desiring and the heart to, for the kingdom is. And it's not that the intellect isn't important. We need to like think rigorously yeah. and carefully about these things. But ultimately, what we're talking about is what drives us and what we really desire. And that's where I think we get right back to what you were saying, that full picture of redemption that we are going to celebrate this week. Like God will not be thwarted by evil, evil within or evil without. He's not going to be. And he, he shows us that with the cross and the resurrection so vividly. So you'd think that him coming to earth, God entering as a human being and then being killed by humans would kind of end what he was doing. But it, it didn't, right? He wasn't thwarted right. by that. And the resurrection and what Jesus accomplished on the cross is better. We call it Good Friday now, even though it was like Horror Friday, right, when that happened for the people that were there. Um, because God takes what was evil and he uses it for such an amazing good. Yeah, isn't that, I mean, that that shows right there that the disciples could not have imagined a um, a greater foil that's to, the nightmare. To Messiah's plans, right? Like that he finally gets arrested and is murdered. Mm-hmm. Their worst case scenario, the thing that they would say, well, this would kill this would kill the whole movement is actually the thing that marks the truth, like the coming of all of it. Like yeah. it's it's amazing. And and if he does it in that, like he also does that with our everyday circumstances. I'm just always blown away that like again, if if you see the kingdom is more valuable and you realize it's rock solid, then every little thing, being cut off at a traffic light, being getting the server bringing you the wrong food, um, you know, someone stealing from you, like other, everything that happens, it all then ends up being in service of your pursuit of this treasure. It would be, it would be like every single one of those ends up being investments into your bank. So everything that happens, good, bad, indifferent, everything, it's all investments into this account. And then you realize, man, everything I do, everything that happens to me actually ends up being this opportunity for this investment. And that's why the eye is the lamp of the body. I think, I think that's what he's getting at. I know there's different understandings of that, but I really do think that it's this idea that, that if your eye is healthy, if you can, if it sees correctly, like what does an, what does a healthy eye do? A healthy eye sees correctly. If your eye isn't healthy, you don't see correctly. You don't, it's clouded. It's, it's, it's dark. It's whatever it is. Um, but if your eye is healthy and it sees the worthiness of the kingdom and of Christ, then everything that happens, even the hard things that happen end up being light because they all are in service of the light. But the reverse is true. If your eye is not healthy, if you don't see it, if what you see is a list of rules and a list of just things that you have to do to be a good person, 
but that your life is really about, okay, I'll do the things for God that I have to do, but then I'm going to go do the things that I want to do. If that's what you see, then even those things that you did for God are dark. And even these things that you would normally say is light, like giving to the church or attending, um, you know, or serving in a homeless shelter or whatever, these things that are meant to be, that should be light, they should be good works that glorify your Father in heaven, they're actually dark. They're, they're actually works of unrighteousness. Um, and so if that's dark, if like even the things you're talking about, like the, the overt things that we talk about, but if even the overt things, even if the, the, those things that are so clearly light, if even those are dark, then how great is the darkness in you? And it all comes from, what do you see when, when Jesus talks about these treasures in heaven, do you see it, you know, or do you not? And then, yeah, you can't, you can't hedge your bets on it. Like you either do or you don't. And I don't know how, I, like when he talks about, you know, you cannot serve two masters. I was hoping, and I don't know if it came across, but I really was hoping just to to at least get us to think about the fact that we are constantly trying to do that. If we at least get to that point, we realize this is a constant battle. We both see it and we don't see it. Yeah, Our eyes are healthy and unhealthy at the same time. And so we do try to serve two masters, but we, but you can't. Yeah. There's not any one of us who has arrived and it's interesting how that could be, that thought could be defeatist. I think, (laughs) you know, you could be like, well, I guess it doesn't matter, but I guess the way, the way I mean it is that means that we're all in this together and no matter where you find yourself, wherever I find myself, um, we can walk together because we're not going to point to anybody and say, they've got this all figured out. There isn't Jesus did. Um, and the rest of us, as he fills us with his spirit, we're learning how to do this and he's transforming our hearts through it so that we desire it more and more. But if you don't desire it right now, so that to me, that is one other thing I think it's worth just talking about briefly. Like we're talking a lot about desiring what is truly good and weighty and of worth. And if you find your, your heart, not desiring it, but you want to desire it, then the first thing you need to do is start asking God that he would give you that. God, I want to desire what is eternal. I want to desire your kingdom ways and being with you above all else. But my heart really doesn't yet. Help me to do that. And if you have that desire at all to pray that, that's a gift from God. That is a, a miraculous thing at work in a human heart when you start to desire that. If you feel like you're even farther away where you're like, I would like to desire to desire that, then start there and ask God for that desire. But I would just say that to me is the most crucial thing when we start getting to this heart level of what do you really want? Because it's very, I, I think it might be impossible. I don't want to overstate it, but to, to notice in yourself a desire for something that you find isn't the right desire it's, it's very challenging to, for us as humans to actually get in there and change that desire. We need God to use his spirit and, and use, I think, often spiritual disciplines empowered by his spirit for that transformation to happen. I don't know. I'm talking you, about what you do, but what you desire, you know? Yeah, and I love the idea of drilling backwards and realizing that, hey, we don't always in this moment want what we ought to want, but... But a lot of times we can get to a place where we say, well, I want to want that. Yep. And, and to start there and realize that God meets you there. Um, I do think, and I know it was, I know it's risky to do this, but I just, I decided a long time ago that I'm just not going to let, I'm I'm not going to let the enemy 
deter me from talking about something that Jesus talks so much about just because people have misused it. But I do think that there are certain acts of faith that you can do that jumpstart that, that if you, in your mind, if you know, and, and there are others besides giving financially, but I do think giving financially is a, is a big one. And it's not giving, you're like, okay, well then I'm going to, I, you know, my business is struggling, so I'm going to give, and then my business is going to all of a sudden be successful. That's not the point at all. But if you're saying, no, these treasures are eternal, and and I do want to value that, and I do believe that, um, then then giving can be a way that your heart then gets on board because Jesus says, where your heart is, there your treasure, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, there's a reason why those are connected. But I do think there are other things like taking a step of faith to say. Um, let's say, for example, you've been uh, struggling, struggling in that of desiring the kingdom, and you've kind of felt like up and down in your faith, and maybe you've noticed that you've been up and down also in your in being with the church family on Sunday mornings, and maybe you grew up in a tradition where, you know, it was all about going to church and checking off the box, and we're saying like that's not actually what it's about. It's about being with God's family and worshiping Him. And so maybe the step of faith looks like, you know what, I'm going to be consistent in that. I'm just, I just, I know Sunday morning is my only morning to sleep in. I'm going to give up that. I, I'm not, that's not as valuable as pursuing this treasure. Um, I think what is important is that whatever it is, it may be committing to to serve. Maybe you've been putting off some opportunity to serve. I think what it, what is important though is that we understand that it doesn't happen by accident. Like that desire that you have, like I, I spent a long time in my life just sitting back and waiting for God to give me a desire to do something. But for whatever reason, like the work, the act of salvation is 100% on Jesus. Like he, he does that completely apart from anything that we do. But for whatever reason, sanctification has been something that he is, that, you know, God in his wisdom has chosen that we are, we are co-laborers in that. Our work doesn't make it happen. So we're not, we, we aren't like contributing equally to the actual change that's happening, but like a father who invites his son or daughter into labor with him and says, no, I want you to do this. That's God does that with us. And so growing in Christ does take effort, not because it's effort to be loved by him or to love him, but it, it takes investment, just like we would say in any relationship, anything that's worthwhile. There's nothing in the world that that we experience joy in that doesn't take effort and investment of time and energy and resources. And so I do want to I do want to make sure that's clear. That, like I want it to be abundant in grace and understand that God meets you where you are in your desires. That you don't need to pretend like you want the kingdom more than you do. He already knows that, and he loves you, and he's right there with you in the midst of it. He meets you there. And then on the flip side, I also don't want it to fall into the ditch of saying, well, you know, no big deal then. I don't have this desire. God meets me here, so I'm not, oh, well, someday he'll give me the desire to do all these things. Well, that's not how it works either. He gives you that desire as you step out in faith. And you see this all the time in Scripture people being called to step out in faith that is deeper than they're capable of. And then God meets them there with grace for the moment to carry them in, in that. So I don't know, that'd be an encouragement I'd have. Yeah. Dependent. I think Jerry Bridges calls that like the phrase he uses. I really like, he says it's dependent responsibility. Mm -hmm. 
because it is, it's like a hundred percent dependent on God, but we still have responsibility in that. We walk with him, empowered by him in it. And we're, we're actually formed by the actions we take, right? We're transformed by the way we live, right. not just the things we think about doing, like it's the actual steps. So that's where the giving, the giving uh, example, Jay, is I think so helpful because it's so tangible um, and it requires an actual physical movement from us, not just um, a thinking about something. Because yeah. sometimes I think we can kind of be tricked into thinking, if I can just think about this properly, oh, then, yeah. then I've been changed. And I know that's that's an issue for me. Um, if you're wired more that way, I just want to alert you to that. Like, it, this is something that's actual, it's lived out in experience. Oh, yeah. We do that all the time, right? Yeah. Oh, well, if, if somebody needs me, I'm happy to be there. Or if the church has a need, a financial need, I'm happy to give. Or if, you know, if it works out, like there are all these things that we, we convince ourselves that given the right circumstances, we would totally, it reminds me of when people say, oh, well, if I was, if I was there when Jesus was on trial, I'd be defending him. No, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) You would have been yelling, crucify him along with everybody else. And so would I. And so I think, I think just acknowledging that and realizing that there is a, and that's why I use the worldly phrase of put your money where your mouth is. There is a part that's like, okay, well then do it. Like if you're saying, uh, whether it's about giving financially or time or energy, if in your mind you're, you're just thinking about it and saying, oh yeah, I think that's good. And if there's ever a need, well, there's always, there's always a need. So start, start meeting that need, whatever needs in front of you, rather than resolving in your mind that you would do it in some hypothetical situation out there. That's, that's like in the parable of the talents where the one guy just goes and buries it. He's like, you know, I just don't want to mess this up. I'll just, I'm sure this will be fine. Well, that's, that's the servant that is treated. that does not have positive things end. It does not end well for that servant. So, um, so I don't know if it's ending well for this podcast, but we're going to end it anyway. It's not our fault. It's the afternoon. It's Jay. the afternoon and the rain and the thunder <laughs> that scares Jeff. Oh my going. gosh. So, well, if, if you need help in that, which you do, because we all do, yes. um, let us know. Let's make sure that you're connected in community so you can actually, we can live out being God's family on mission together. You can email us at connect at com, or you can call us or just connect with us on a Sunday. We would love uh, to just walk with the, walk with you through this. So thank you for listening. We hope it's been helpful. Until next time, grace and peace. Oh,